soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. But he reigns. He's the preeminent one. But we have to ask ourselves, does he reign in us? Like that song, Open Space. Because as much as Jesus is, in fact, the one that walks in the midst of the churches, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 of the seven churches, he is a preeminent one. And whether we let him be preeminent in our lives or not, He's still preeminent over the universe because as we're told in Colossians, all things are in him and through him and held together by him. So when we think about Judah reigning over his brothers and those kings that come from Judah, really it's about trusting Jesus to reign over us and leading us. He's the good shepherd. He leads us. Like David said in Psalm 23, we want Christ reigning over every thought, action of our life, our walk, our talk, and everything in between. We want to praise him. The other tribes would praise Judah at times, and the people of Judah would praise the kings at times. We want to praise the king of kings. That praise would be in our hearts, like 1 Peter says, that we offer up and lift up the sacrifices of praise. That praise would be our disposition toward the Lord, that we'd say praise the Lord because we see his hand in every good thing that, I mean, was, like today was such a beautiful day. Like, it's one of those days when you go by the beach and you see Catalina and there's the blue and the puffy clouds. It's just so beautiful. It's just like, praise the Lord. Like, don't, that, that's what creation's meant to make us do. God wants us to look at the mountains. It's like, that when it, we got that little dusting last week, when it got cold on Sunday night and we had that little bit of rain, I thought, I bet it's snowing. It's cold. And next morning I saw the snow yeah, it's like, and you know, before the smog settles in, we always have like one day. And it's like, praise the Lord, it's so beautiful. God, you're so good. And you praise him. You ever walk through your neighborhood and look at all the different flowers he's made? Or when you get a grandkid, you should. Just walk around the neighborhood with a grandkid. You point out every little flower, every little detail. You even see the little bugs on the flowers. The hibiscus. Oh, Clem, look at that little thing. What is that? Oh, Clem, smell this yellow rose. This one smells really good. And you just see his handiwork and his details. It's just so beautiful. Praise the Lord. Because what did Jesus say? Hey, if these people don't praise me, the rocks will praise me. Praise the Lord. Praise him in our hearts because God is good. We'll praise the Lakers and LeBron. We'll praise governments and people power. We'll praise money people like Bill Gates. We'll praise all kinds of human beings that are flawed and sinful, even in their highest moment of glory. We want to praise the Lord. Because God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. He is the king of kings, and he is worthy of all our praises. 
to lead us and guide us in every empty space of our life. We want him to fill it. Which brings us to the line of the tribe of Judah. Because the second thing we see here is that verse 9, Judah is a lion's whelp, or like a cub. From the prey, my son, you've gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion, who shall rouse him? Judah is called a lion. And if we have any uncertainty over where this really takes us, we just need to go to Revelation chapter 5, where Jesus is being worshipped, where we're told he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus being worshipped by every tongue, tribe, and nation represented in the throne room, we are told that he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's the title the Holy Spirit gives us for him being worshipped in heaven by the church in that heavenly scene. So this lion's whelp of Judah described here for us thousands of years before Christ came and now looking back 4,000 years later to this prophecy, of course, Jesus has many different names to help us understand who he is. He's the bread of life. He meets our needs, right? And he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb of God who lays down his life for the sheep. So when we're called to sacrifice and let things go, we're the lamb of God. When we're trying to trust in him to meet our bills, he's our bread of life. And when we're afraid, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lion. Of course, C.S. Lewis, the famous writer, caught this vision clearly and expounded it incredibly without equal in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, where Aslan, the lion, is representative of Jesus Christ. And when you read the Chronicles of Narnia, the seven books, he presents Jesus in many different ways that are all biblically based, particularly like uh, The Horse and His Boy, which is a very unusual one of the books of the seven. It's the most unique in the Chronicles of Narnia, where Aslan was with the boy the whole way, who's the prince, and he didn't know it, but he, he heard him as a cat. He heard him as a, a lion. Like, he presented himself in different imagery to the horse, to the boy and his horse, who was going to be a future king of Ashland, and it's just really cool, like, how he got that. And that voice of the Lord, although it can roar, and when we need to hear it roar, he will roar, but he's also the still small voice. Oh, he's the voice of the wind, and he's the voice of the thunder, right? Elijah didn't hear him in those ways, but he still spoke in those ways to other people in the Bible. So whether you hear Jesus as a, a quiet kitten or a roaring lion, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the lion is king of the jungle. And the lion reigns. And God gives us the visual of meeting us where we're at. Just like Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's a visual to meet us where we're at. Well, he's the lion. But he's not just any lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so when we think about being over his brothers, that's a preeminent one amongst Israel and over the world. But as the line of the tribe of Judah, that's the all-powerful one. And we know that God is all-powerful and that the Father commits all judgments and authority to the Son. So we serve the line of the tribe of Judah. We serve Aslan. We serve one who roars. The prophet said, a lion has roared and who can but prophesy in the Old Testament? That the voice of the Lord was like a roaring lion and the, the boldness to roar like the lion. 
and the prophets, the boldness comes because when you hear the voice of the lion, whether you're Lucy with a little knife facing the bad guys in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, or whether you're full of boldness as it would appear to people, he's got our back and he's roaring. He's roaring behind us. He's roaring for his kingdom. Man, when Aslan roars, every knee bows. And Aslan, for C.S. Lewis, who's now with Aslan, Jesus Christ, is the line of the tribe of Judah. And he roars over everything and everybody in this universe. He roars over our fears. He roars over our enemies. He roars over our insecurities. He roars over all the uncertainties. He roars. He's the roaring lion. And who can resist the lion? He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the final authority in this prophecy confirmed by reality of the universe. He's the final authority. And so in application, we think Jesus is the lion that roars and he's over our life and he's the authority over our life. We got, you know, C.S. Lewis books, like they did the movies and they were good. I mean, like they weren't great, but they were, they were pretty good. And you had the old BBC ones of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe done back in the 80s that were pretty good too. But there is one scene in Prince Caspian where they're on the bridge and Lucy is, is going after the bad guys and she's got a little knife and she's going like this and all the bad guys are backing up, but what they're seeing is Aslan behind her. She's just like, she's got her knife going like this and they're all backing up. She's like, yeah, you want some of this? You know, that kind of a thing. But it's really because they're seeing Aslan just like, you know, and that's who we have behind us. Fear no evil. Fear no evil. Because we serve the lion of the tribe of Judah. That's who's over this church. That's who we want to have over our lives. A lion is roaring. Who can but prophesy? When the Lord's like, hey, step out in faith. Go to the Middle East. Hey, do this. Go to Russia. Go here, do this. Hey, give this. Let go of that. It's just like the lion's just going, rah. And when you hear that, rah, whether it's soft or loud to you in your volume reading, man, let's go. Let's go. We got the roar of the lion, the king of Judah, behind us. And by the way, when the title's given to him in Revelation 5, what's so radical about the context of that title is that's right after John's weeping because the deed for title earth, no one is worthy to receive it, to open the seals. And he's sobbing because earth is in bondage. And from his perspective, no one is worthy to come and receive the scrolls to exercise the authority and the redemption of planet Earth, but then worthy is the Lamb, who's also the Lion of Judah, who goes and receives the scrolls. That's the context of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. The context is Jesus Christ redeeming his people, judging the world righteously and perfectly according to his character, because everything he does is just and true and noble and praiseworthy, and getting ready to come to establish the kingdom. So when we think about application, he's the final authority over our life. And if he said to the church 2,000 years ago, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, go there now for, go therefore now and make disciples of all nations, that's the authority. That's the authority we go in. Sam and I were discussing Russia last night. I got my visa. I got my visa to go to Russia, unlimited access for the next year. I got it last week. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks, Frank. So, I mean, we're praying about it. It took a little longer than normal. And with everything going on with, you know, coronavirus and all that, I'm like, you know, I've been watching the news in Russia. And believe me, they're not messing around. It's the Russian way not to mess around with stuff like that. And I'm like, hmm, you know. And Sam said, so 
what's your plan? And the plan is still to go in May to the pastor's conference for Calvary Chapels in St. Petersburg and hook up with Pasha and you know, fly into Moscow, connect with Pasha, maybe go to Redeemer, and then go up to the conference. But like everything else getting canceled around the world in the last week, maybe that's going to get canceled. And Sam said, well, is that a sign not to go? I'm like, no, I can't say that is a sign not to go. Just because a pastor's conference gets canceled doesn't mean I'm not called to go to Russia in May, right? Like, I don't know, like me, like it's been on my heart all along. I, I work on Russian almost every day. Well, actually, I do every day, and I, the language, and I have a giant map of Russia on my wall, and I, I think about Russia. I got a chalkboard with all the words I have the hardest time remembering. Stormic, you know, just different words, just different words, just numbers, stuff like that. You know, like all the, you know, when you learn the language, all the things you learn, like, Day, month, week, days of the week, you know, Vosirkinia, you know, just all these, like you, these things you begin to put together when you learn language. And I just, I wake up and I look at them because I, I got this board there and I, I'm half awake, I'm like, oh yeah, okay. That's how you, that's how I learned Spanish and it's there. So if I'm called to go to Russia in May or not called to go to Russia in May, while the pastor's conference is a reason to go to Russia in May, and I've spoken with Posh even recently before he was heading down to Latin America and then Cuba, the Lord knows. He's certainly bigger than something that's scaring the whole planet, right? I mean, I'm, trust, I'm trusting him to raise me from the grave, and I'm getting closer to it, just like you. I always say, like, hey, whatever scares you, you nothing should scare you like the grave. And I, I buried my mom two months ago. I put her remains from the container from the morgue in the urn in Cleveland when it's snowing outside. And I asked the ladies at the cemetery, could you please close the door so my relatives don't see me have to do this? Let me tell you, we're all facing the grave. I spent Christmas with my mom and I buried her remains three weeks later in Cleveland, Ohio. And the grave is what really we should fear, if you're going to fear anything. And yet, Jesus Christ has conquered in his authority, the devil, the power of sin, and the grave. So, he's the final authority that will raise you and I from the grave. And we can trust him as the final authority to roar over our life and to help us fulfill whatever it is he's called us to do. Roar! like to roar over our life. So let the lion roar and step out in the authority of the roaring lion to do what he's called you to do, whether the planet's in meltdown mode or not, because we're still here. We're trusting him to raise us from the grave. So reverse engineering that, we can trust him for anything and everything he could possibly call us to do until we're in the grave. Amen? He's the lion the tribe of Judah, and he's got the title deed. He's going to raise us up. He's promised that. By the way, that's a verse my mom wanted read at her funeral and graveside. I listened to my sister read 1 Thessalonians 4 at the memorial at St. Francis, and I listened to her read it graveside, the cemetery. And my brother read Ecclesiastes chapter 3 at both as well. Some of you are at my mom's memorial in Vista. My brother got and read did the same thing. Graveside, gray, overcast, right out of a movie. Same thing, man. To everything, turn, turn. And then my sister, 
but we will be raised up and we'll be caught up together and thus we'll be with the Lord forever. 1 Thessalonians 4. The lion's roaring. Then verse 10, we read this. The third one, so we have preeminence and power or authority. And then we have the peace. The scepter, which is to rule and reign, shall not depart from Judah. So those kings all reigned during that time. Then they went into captivity from the descendants through Mary the Virgin comes Jesus, who is the king of the Jews on the cross. And the scepter has not departed. Jesus has ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's the great high priest. He ever lives and intercedes for us. We come boldly to his throne of grace in time of need. It is still in action. And then we're told that nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Now, the word Shiloh means peace. There was, of course, a city in Israel, a village or town called Shiloh. It means peace. But this is Shiloh the person because it says, and to him shall be the obedience of the people. So this Judah, his descendants, the brothers will praise him for he'll rule over them. Judah is the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus who reigns over them. And then he's the scepter that never departs because he's the king of kings and lord of lords. And his name is peace, which is so ironic when you think about this. Not ironic, just so amazing how God connects things. But remember Melchizedek, was the king of peace that met Abraham on the way back from the slaughter of the kings. We're told that Jesus is the prince of peace. And we're told, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. Jesus said, my peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives. Peace is a title for Jesus. So he's the ruler. That's a title, king. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah, But his name literally is peace. And of course, Jerusalem means city of peace. And he reigns from the city of David from Jerusalem. He's the prince of peace. He's the king of peace. And he brings peace. He will keep the imperfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusts in thee, Isaiah the prophet said. And the peace isn't just the promises of God believed in 700 BC from the words of Isaiah the prophet. But the peace is through receiving Jesus Christ. Thus, as those apostles went out, in the early church, sharing the good news of the gospel with all authority of the line of the tribe of Judah, they preached peace. Ephesians chapter 2 is all about peace, God reconciling that which was enmity among people because we've been reconciled through peace with God vertically, then we can have peace with people horizontally. But his kingdom is a kingdom of peace. Shiloh means peace. Jesus is our peace. So when we think about the turmoil that goes on around us, he's our peace. He's also our lawgiver. If you look at this passage, now those kings were to uh, honor God's law. There was great revival under Hezekiah with the law of God. There was even greater revival with Josiah with the law of God. When Josiah came to reign, he sent out all of his guys on the horses to reinstitute the Passover feast and the reading of the law, the word. It's amazing what they did. And whenever it went good in Israel, it's because the king of Judah believed the word of God and had it taught and proclaimed. Even when Ezra came back from the captivity, they read the law on a platform verbally in the rain, in the cold, because it's the word that's going to guide the people. So Jesus is the word, of course. He's the word of God, John chapter 1, manifest in the flesh. He taught the word with the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard it said that you shall not you know, murder, but I tell you when you hate your brother, you are in danger of murder. You've heard that a man shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, when you love yourself for a woman, you have committed adultery. He said this, I didn't come to cancel the law, 
I came to fulfill the law. And his perfect life fulfills the law, but his teachings show us the royal law. Just reading Exodus 21 this morning from God's law on the law of slavery and how to treat your brethren who basically were employees, seven-year contracts, and how to treat the women who were under those seven-year contracts as slaves. God is such a defender of the defenseless. And it was just so beautiful how he defended the rights of women in his law in Exodus 21 on the laws of slavery. God's law is perfect. And as Galatians says, it's a perfect law. We just can't keep it. It's not gonna, we're not going to justify ourselves by it. But Jesus fulfills it because he fulfilled the law. He lived the perfect life, the perfect sinless life. So we can read Exodus 21, 22, 23, 24. The details are longer like, wow, who could do this? Well, Jesus did it. And there's something beautiful here. His, his, his love for humanity. And all I could think when I finished that portion of scripture this morning is like the royal law of love. If you just do for others what you'd have them do for you, which is what Jesus taught. God fulfilled it. Jesus Christ fulfilled it. And it's beautiful. So we can't save ourselves through it, but it's a tutor that points us to Jesus who did fulfill it. And we're saved through him. And thus then we're told when in the New Testament, when Jewish believers want to go back to the Old Testament, the apostles are like, why are you going backwards? Christ fulfilled it. We're not going to put this on anybody. We can't save ourselves through self-righteousness. We're saved by grace through faith. That's what Peter said there in Acts 15. And that's what the New Testament affirms. And thus, when Paul was writing the Romans, he said, the whole law of the lawgiver, Moses is the ultimate lawgiver, right? He received the law of God. And the whole law is fulfilled in this. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. You love God. What is the great commandments? They asked Jesus, the, the guy, and Jesus said, to love God and to love your neighbor. These are the great commandments. So the lawgiver The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Jesus has always reigned and will always reign. Just because he rejected in his first coming doesn't mean he doesn't reign. He reigns right now. There's nothing happens on this planet. It doesn't come through the filter of his purposes and plans. And the law has not departed. God doesn't change. Societies change. And what they think is morally right or wrong might change. But God doesn't change. God is light and him is no darkness at all. The law doesn't change. He's never changed. There's no shadow of turning with the father of lights. He's consistent in his character. We might be inconsistent in our character. He is consistent, never changes. God is light and him is no darkness at all. And until Shiloh comes, he is peace. He comes and he brings peace. The whole message of the gospel is peace. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus has a title of peace? Oh, you can call a village Shiloh. Great, but the one we worship is peace. Jesus isn't trying to wipe out the world. He's trying to save the world because he came and died on the cross to save the world. There's a lot of angry human philosophies and religions that have killed the masses by the millions. But Jesus Christ doesn't, God doesn't take our sons. He gave his son, Shiloh, peace, the lawgiver and the law fulfiller. So really when we think about it, it's like we want to be abiding in that peace. And we're told that through prayer and supplication we can make our requests being made known to God and that peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So peace is the mark. You know, like, there can be turmoil around you. Look at Jacob's life. There can be craziness around you. We just have to stop, recalibrate. Lord, you're in charge. What day ever goes the way you plan it in your day planner? Not many. 
There's always things happening. The human experience is a, is a messy business. But God's peace, Shiloh, who is peace, guards our hearts and minds and keeps us in perfect peace because we trust in him. And that's a result of abiding in him and being committed to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the people, verse 10. That's who we obey. Isn't it great to know when you bow the knee to Jesus Christ, you're bowing to the ultimate authority who's the lion who roars on behalf of his people and that he gives peace to his people and everything he does is good and all of his promises are yes and amen. Praise the Lord. So amazing, beautiful prophecy from 2,000 years before the time Christ came speaking to us of who he is, what he would do, and what he does, and what he'll do when he comes to establish his kingdom, because he is coming. So be encouraged and keep our eyes on Jesus. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, let us lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us and keep our eyes on him. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.